0: You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Robin Delbridge.
1: Tonight's Bible reading is from John chapter 1, verses 19 to 28. In this passage, some like Jewish leaders are sent to suss out who John the Baptist is. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What, did, what do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then did you? do you baptize if you are not the messiah nor elijah nor the prophet i baptize with water john replied but among you stands one you do not know he is the one who comes after me the straps of whose sandals i am not worthy to untie all this happened at bethany on the other side of the jordan where john was baptizing Well, thank you for
0: that very uh, embarrassing little introduction, but yes, my name is Robin and uh, tonight we're going to be looking at the first of our series called Look at Jesus. And this is um, the beginning of our series where we're going through the rest of the first chapter of John that we started at Christmas time last year. So I really like this conversation that has been presented here. And I think the key question is, who are you? And it's a question that at first appears really simple, but it really gets to the point of who we are and what our identity is. And here we're seeing John the Baptist who identifies himself firstly as who he's not and then who he actually is. But I wanna come back to this question because I think we need to get a little bit more context about what's going on and why this conversation is so important that it's actually made it into the Bible at all. A bit of story, backstory for John the Baptist, because we aren't really given much uh, in this version of John's, in John's Gospel, but there is a lot about him elsewhere in the Bible. His parents are Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were described as righteous people, both from priestly families, and they have no children. But one day Zechariah was in the temple, and God came to him and said, you will have a son, and he'll be very important in, in the work of God. So even though uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth had never been able to have kids, and they were both very old by now, they were going to have a son. And the angel Gabriel said, this baby is not to be named after the father, as would be custom, but to be named John. About six months later, Mary is visited by that same angel Gabriel to say she will be pregnant by the Holy Spirit with a baby who will be named Jesus. And Mary, very early on in her pregnancy, goes to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, and they hang out for about three months before Mary goes back home. I'm imagining these two women, the older cousin Elizabeth and her younger cousin Mary, hanging out with their swollen ankles and their growing bellies, both pregnant for the first time, both with miracle babies who were destined to change the face of the world as they knew it at that time, drinking a cup of tea thinking about how absolutely terrifying that prospect must be but they're faithful women and so the story continues by the time we meet John the baptist here in this in John's gospel he's about 30 years old and has already established his own ministry What we can gather from other sections of the Bible is he's kind of a pretty weird guy. He's hanging out in the desert, and there's even remarks about his clothing. So he's wearing uh, clothes made of camel's hair, a leather belt, and he's eating locusts and wild honey. He's not part of normal society, and some people think that he's full of demons. And yet heaps of people, crowds and crowds of people, are coming out to the desert to hear him preach. And he's preaching about turning away from sin and about the coming of the Lord. He's been baptizing believers in the River Jordan with his disciples. But he can be pretty intense and he is quoted calling a group of Jewish leaders snakes due to their hypocrisy. In this conversation, the people who are questioning John the Baptist are important people from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. They are priests and Levites, the senior, most noblest class of the Jewish people. These guys aren't people who faff around, and they've come all the way to the desert to find out what John is all about. This is a great honor for John. He could have felt really, really proud to have the attention of these really important men. He might have been tempted to declare his own importance and receive all the credit for himself, Like when my boss comes to visit me and I'm really tempted to take all the credit for the work we've done because I want to be really impressive, but not so much. Let's have a look at what actually happens. John is asked if he's the Messiah, Elijah, or the prophet, all of which he says he is not. Now, from our perspective, these questions might seem very specific and a little strange, but keep in mind that the people who are having this conversation are very well versed in, Jewish, uh, in the Jewish laws and all the prophecies known to God at that time. Everyone in Israel is looking for a Messiah. That is somebody to save them from the Roman rule, just as Moses has saved, had saved their ancestors from slavery in Egypt. But John says, no, I'm not that guy. And hundreds of years before, the prophet Malachi said that Elijah, who was this very famous guy from Jewish history, would return before the great and dreadful day when the Lord arrives, which is a prediction of the end time. But John denies that too. In the Old Testament, God says he will raise up a prophet like Moses from among the Israelite people. But John says he's not that guy either. At this point, I think the priests and Levites are getting pretty frustrated or at least disappointed. They cannot go back to Jerusalem with nothing. So they try again. Who are you? And John, who knows all the Jewish prophecies, he knows what the angel Gabriel said at his birth, he knows what his parents taught him, and he answers the question using the prophecy from Isaiah that the people would be very familiar with. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says this, Listen, I hear a voice of someone shouting, Make a highway for the Lord through the wilderness. Make a straight, smooth road through the desert for our God. It's quite poetic and also very strong language. And here is John saying, I am that voice in the wilderness. Prepare a straight way for the Lord's coming. And he continues, I baptize with water, but among you stands one that you do not even know. He is someone who will come after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Right at that moment, he's pointing to Jesus. I mean, not... Not literally, Jesus isn't right in that crowd at that very moment, but that's what he's talking about. This whole conversation has been designed to be tempting to John to take the glory for himself. He could have said, oh yes, I know the Messiah, by the way, he's actually my cousin through my mother, Um, but you should make me the leader of the Jewish people and uh, when God tells me it's time, I'll let you know and we can be ready together. No. He's not quite that bold or arrogant. Equally so, he could have really shirked off that responsibility. Like, you know what, guys? There's nothing to see here. I'm nobody. Just go back to the Capitol. It's fine. What he demonstrates here is humility. And he points to the person who will be Jesus. And he says he is so great that John is unworthy to even untie his sandals. So what is John's role here? His whole life has been preparing for this moment when Jesus' public ministry is about to start. Now, in those days, a messenger would travel before a king to announce his coming. In our day, we might have a hype man warming up the crowd before an artist. But I've got my favourite hype man, which I'm just about to have up on the screen for you. Think of Disney's Aladdin, right? So we've got Genie, with the help of magic, he turns Aladdin, who's nothing but a street rat, into Prince Ali, who wants to meet and impress the princess and eventually marry her. So let's watch this scene when Prince Ali arrives at the palace gates. Leading the way is his hype man.
1: In the old bazaar. Hey, you! Let us through, it's a bright new star. Oh, come, be the first Whoa. on your block to meet his eye. Make way, here he comes, ring bell, bang the drum. Are you gonna love this guy? Prince Ali, fabulous, he, Ali, Ababa.
0: Thank you. Genie's ultimate hype guy, right? Like, I was just so pleased to be able to include an 11 reference in my sermon. But what does John the Baptist and Jeannie have in common other than the fact that they both like to hang out in the desert? They're both the hype guy. They're both the messenger or the promoter, and it's a super important job. But they have different styles. Jeannie, with the help of his magic, has this wonderful, ridiculous, over-the-top parade, a literal song and dance, demanding the attention of the whole city, the sultan and the princess. And the message is clear. Make way for Prince Ali. But John the Baptist has a slightly different style. He has no magic, but he does have God. He's very understated compared to Jeannie, and he's a little less cool. Remember, he's wearing clothes made of camel's hair. But he speaks with the authority of Isaiah make way for the Lord who is coming. John the Baptist is a confident and faithful witness. There is no competition here. He takes no glory for himself, even though his role is vital. Here he is preaching in the desert, he's got no parade, he's got no peacocks and he's got no elephants walking into the city of Jerusalem but despite this he has caught the attention of thousands of people who have come to be baptised by him in the River Jordan and now he's got these Jewish leaders checking him out too. He knows who he is and he identifies himself in relation to Jesus. He points to Jesus who will be the Messiah and ultimately the fulfillment of the prophecies and God's plan for the salvation of the whole world. But John isn't saying he's coming in the future like the old prophets. He's saying this guy, he's coming now. He's amongst us already. So that's what it means. That's why it's so important and such a big deal when John says... I am that voice in the wilderness. Make straight a way for the Lord. I mean, that's a mic drop moment right there. John gives us this great role model. We could do worse things than to be more like John, in role and in character. Let's return to this central question that John is asked. So then, who are you? It's easy, right? I'm Robert. I'm a dietitian, daughter, sister, volunteer, foodie, traveller, friend. It's easy to identify the roles that we have in this world, and there's nothing wrong with these. But if we place everything that we have in these, we forget that they are inherently temporary. I could lose my job, my relationships could change, and maybe some of you have experienced this, that, could, that can cause very real grief and uncertainty. But the role that can last forever is that of being a child of God. And as such, John the Baptist is showing us how to use our life to point to Jesus. He identifies himself in relation to Jesus and takes no glory for himself. I'll give you an example from myself. This is my first time preaching, as was mentioned. And you know, it's like really tempting to be very self-important and to think that I must be super special to be asked to preach. Yeah, jokes, right? No. (laughs) here's John the Baptist reminding me that it's not about me but about my opportunity to point to Jesus it's not about my ability to use the best Disney references or my mic drop technique all of this should only be used to point to Jesus to give honour and glory to him there was also a point when I was writing this sermon that I hated everything that I had written and I thought it was terrible And I was thinking maybe I should just give in now. I'll just call Kirk and just pull out. Like at least then the people at church would um, hear preaching from someone who knew what they were doing and I wouldn't have to embarrass myself. But if I had let that self-sabotaging, miserable self-talk let me pull out, I wouldn't have done what John the Baptist was role modeling either. Pulling out would have only served my own ego. It would have been self-protection making it all about me and it would have missed the opportunity that it's actually all about Jesus. I wonder if you've ever felt that feeling when your self-talk has either overinflated you or undermined you or maybe it cost you an opportunity to point to Jesus. Another example to think about are the opinions that we develop Around about the world around us that are informed by our faith in Jesus, it might be about refugees, marriage, poverty, education, whatever. Have you ever overinflated yourself in order to win an argument, but in doing so have made it all about yourself and lost Jesus? Or on the flip side, have you completely sidestepped a conversation because you thought it might have conflicting points of view and it would be terribly uncomfortable? to even say that Jesus has informed the opinion that you hold. To be honest, I've been guilty of both. But does that serve to point to Jesus? Probably not. We can look at John the Baptist as an example of how to use words and actions to be humble in our interactions, in our faith, and in the situations that we find ourselves in. I think it could be pretty easy to deflect Uh, what John the Baptist's uh, point is about pointing to Jesus because, like, oh, no, I'm not important enough. It doesn't even matter. It's just for people who are important, who have power and authority. But, no, I think this is a call for all of us. Let's look at John's character. You really believe the words and actions to be genuine and what he's saying to be true. But I wonder, do you ever find yourself hiding behind a metaphorical mask Act in a certain way, portray a certain image, like an identity that you would prefer the world to see. Maybe your Snapchat or your Facebook feed is full of other people's happy summary snaps and you want to show the world how happy and summary you are as well, even though you're not. Maybe someone at church has really hurt or annoyed you and rather than talking to them and asking God to help you forgive them, you just hold a grudge and just pretend that everything's fine. Maybe you're trying really hard, but you're really scared of failing, and it's holding you back from where God wants you to be. So you stay where you are, treading water, totally exhausted. Whatever it is that's going on for you, John the Baptist is challenging us to be more honest, more genuine, more truthful and in turn, more humble. We can take the focus off ourselves and we can put the focus onto Jesus where it belongs and that can then inform our hearts, our heads, our actions and our words. Now, you might feel like you're doing pretty well in some aspects of your life pointing to Jesus and maybe not so well in others and I know that that's pretty true for me. I think it takes practice and repetition but what would it look like? I mean, really, what would it look like to point to Jesus, to give honor and glory to him in your friendships, at school or at work, in your family, how you pursue your studies and your career? What might that look like online and in social media? What would it look like in your actions? What would it look like to give glory and honor and point to Jesus in your disagreements, in your happiness, and in your grief? So this is my challenge to you, and let's consider praying for the Lord's help. I am a child of God. Jesus, how can I honour and give glory to you? How can I point to you today? Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.